Hey all, welcome to Beyond Consulting, the podcast dedicated to helping listeners navigate a career after consulting. I'm Stephen Haug, host of Beyond Consulting and director at ECA Partners. Each week on the podcast, we host folks who have spent some time in consulting, but have since made a pivot or a career change. Before we get started, I want to thank ECA Partners for sponsoring Beyond Consulting. ECA is an executive search and on-demand consultant firm specializing in former consultants and private equity. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Ben Klein, who recently took a new role as SVP of Partnerships at an early stage behavioral health organization focused on senior care. He's also a former senior consultant at Navigant Consulting, and has held a number of consulting positions as well as healthcare-focused strategy positions inside of other organizations. Ben, welcome to Beyond Consulting. Thank you, Stephen. Really excited to be here. I've worked with ECA for many years and certainly have had a relationship with a few individuals at the organization and excited to speak with you about my career journey. Good. Well, before we dive into the details of your career, want to give our audience just a broad picture of how you've gotten to where you are. And as I alluded to in the, the intro there, you recently moved on from position and, and started something new. So love to hear about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, exciting new opportunity for me really has been the intersection of some of my personal experiences and some of my professional experiences, which I'm really excited about. So I think professionally, which I'll talk to you a little bit more about, I've been focused in the healthcare space, have been working in between payers and providers and collaborative models to improve cost, improve quality, improve patient experience. And then with that coupled, you know, the personal intersection of some experiences with grandparents as they have gotten older and have two sets of grandparents that have each had dementia, specifically Alzheimer's. And so um, have just recently joined an early stage organization that is working specifically in the space to manage care for uh, geriatric psych patients, which will largely be uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. Perfect. Well, thanks for the overview there. It certainly sounds like an exciting and rewarding career. You know, you're really solving some of the, the problems that I think are top of mind for a lot of us these days. Want to rewind and go back to the beginning. So Johns Hopkins undergrad, I know you went and got your MBA at a point in your career as well. Can we start with perhaps your first job out of college and tell us a little bit about the story of how you got started in the medical field? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say it's a little bit twofold. I think one is I was a pre-med, so I did have aspirations early on of considering the med school route, maybe an MBA, but also wanted to start in the business world and wanted to be intentional in working for a healthcare consulting organization to work with some of the aforementioned problems I mentioned. U.S. has the highest spend in medical costs, but not the best quality across the country. And so Certainly was intrigued by that as an initial North Star. But from there, as I started working in the consulting space and may have been biased by a few clinicians that had left the private practice setting and had jumped to the business world, but really realized for me, I could make a big difference and solve really interesting problems in the business world of healthcare. And, you know, I think from there, my trajectory kind of either you could say blossomed or unfolded. Great. And it looks like your first consulting gig was at SG2. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, my first four years, I worked in traditional 
consulting, as traditional as you can get from the healthcare space. And that was largely with health systems. And at the time, there was a lot of M&A activity within healthcare. So a lot of, you know, small regional health systems considering maybe merging. There were also a lot of larger health systems looking at either acquiring private practices, primary care, or uh, specialty practices, or even acquiring other health systems. So for me, it kind of gave me an early entry point into partnerships and deals on the M&A side, but also could kind of see things from a strategy and finance point of view as well. And so it was great to initially work on some pretty big projects with health systems that were exploring merger discussions or even on the back end doing some post-merger integration work between two large health systems that were exploring how to work together afterwards and develop a joint strategy, but also how to piece together operationally uh, some of their different components. So you spent about two years at SG2. I can tell you a lot of the consultants that we work with, they feel like they have to put in their two years and then they can make the jump after that, maybe private equity, maybe to some industry position. You decided to move into another consulting firm. Can you tell us about that decision? Yeah, you know, I didn't think too much about it. You know, the organization SG2 kind of had two different businesses, part consulting and part research and advisory and kind of a subscription model. And I really wanted to focus on consulting 100% of the time. And Navigant had that opportunity and they also had a bit more M&A activity there at the time. And some other individuals I had worked with had joined the organization. So um, it was a pretty natural fit. You know, probably one of those things that would have been fine either way and was thankful for the experiences I had, but could have been fine staying at SG2, a great organization for many years. You know, you look at that organization and there's still individuals that are there 15 years after and Guidehouse Navigant speaks for itself as one of the top healthcare advisory firms in the country. Yeah, absolutely. So about four years of what we might consider traditional consulting, we're using that word because a lot of your career has that consulting bent to it, even if it might not be what we think of whenever we talk about management consulting. But you did those four years. Was it at that point that you decided to go back to school to get an MBA? Yeah, and I like the distinction. And we'll talk more about that in terms of traditional consulting, because these were short-term projects anywhere from two to six months at max, you know, where you're working with an organization. Usually it was health systems at the time, and it was like a organization would partner with a healthcare or with a consulting firm, excuse me, to investigate a problem or to seek strategy, operational finance, advisory services. And yeah, to answer your second question, I think for me, going to business school was always in the back of my mind. For me, I never really had the traditional X's and O's in undergrad because I was pre-med and you know certainly had a fair amount of science and engineering classes. And so for me, I always wanted to get that thorough understanding of finance strategy, you know, from the book's perspective, certainly nothing can replace on the job training, but it was really helpful for me to get some other experiences there, including some of the qualitative components as well in terms of leadership and management too. Right. And then after business school, can you tell us about the direction that you went? Yeah. And I think for me, you know, I was still kind of intrigued by the deal component and the M&A. Component. So I was certainly had that in the back of my mind of like 
healthcare M&A would be ideal as, you know, where I'd like to land in my next step. I wanted to take a look at investment banking, had a great opportunity at Piper Jaffray for my summer internship in their med tech, so med device, essentially, investment banking group as a summer associate and really a great experience. They're one of the top healthcare investment banks and certainly learned a ton. A lot of really smart finance individuals at the organization. And, you know, I think for me, it was a really good understanding of the business. And I think for me helped, you know, realize that I'd maybe like to be more in consulting or more in a consultative advisory role than a pure investment banking role, though you could say there are advisory components. Maybe it strays more on the pure finance end and maybe not as strategic or operational as some of the things that I was more passionate about. And so it naturally led me to look at some consulting and corp dev roles for healthcare services firms and uh, ended up taking a corp dev role with a healthcare services firm for a few years, which was really great in terms of looking at small acquisitions, establishing a deal pipeline, developing relationships with private equity and venture capital organizations. And, you know, I think the combination there was certainly getting to make my first kind of larger deal at the time. For me, it was a small corporate venture capital investment for the organization, which was also a strategic investment for them as well as a service, which was pretty exciting. You know, a lot of the consultants that we speak with, I get the sense that a lot of them, or at least some of them, wish that they had or a bit closer to the deals. And it looks like you struck that balance quite well. You were in a, a consulting position or you have the consulting background, but then you were able to move into a corp dev role, you know, kind of sourcing deals, evaluating deals, diligencing them very, very close to the deals themselves. How do you think that consulting background translated to a, you know, an M&A type of position? Yeah, really well. And I think you hit it spot on. You know, I really, even though I left a consulting firm, And, you know, I'll speak about my experience with Lumaris, really another great organization that I had a great experience with. I really never felt like I left consulting and advising. You kind of look at my buckets of strategy, operations, finance. I really felt that I was able to maintain that skill set and that approach all the way through. And then you learn different areas. You know, I think for me, healthcare is so complex and that's what's so exciting to me. You have the payers, you have the health systems, you have the providers, and now, you know, you also have pharmacy and pharmaceuticals and medical devices, which is an area I really largely haven't touched, but you have that. And then you have all these changing reimbursement models and, you know, certainly a lot to explore in terms of solving problems, identifying pain points, trying to figure out solutions, you know, in terms of improving conditions. I'm glad you brought up Lumaris. You spent about six years with the organization. Can you tell us a bit more about that company and the roles that you held there? Yeah, and really just a phenomenal experience there. So Lumaris is a uh, John Doerr and uh, Kleiner Perkins backed organization evolved out of St. Louis, where I happen to live. They started as a Medicare Advantage plan here in St. Louis. They now have 65,000 plus Medicare Advantage lives with their sister company, Essence Healthcare. And they've really taken that model and brought it to other markets, which 
you know, really great, really exciting, awesome model. And, you know, so they're, they're really primarily in the value-based care space. And I kind of think of that as the antithesis of fee-for-service. And so you talk about these different complexities within healthcare, some of the high costs, some of the poor outcomes, and you talk about this perverse incentive where there are a lot of businesses built on how many times an individual enters the facilities as their revenue model. And so you start to look at some of these other revenue models, and certainly one of those is value-based care and starting to align around outcomes and sharing and savings with cost targets and everything. And so Lumeris is in the value-based care space. And around 2015, you know, this is certainly the direction where I kind of felt the puck was going in the space that I wanted to be in and, you know, certainly seen some indication from CMS, the government, who actually is the largest payer in the country that everyone always forgets about. But um, CMS had made some pretty big movements there and just a really exciting space. And also a few individuals that I had worked with in the past, including from SG2, had joined the organization and helped uh, recruit me over. Just a really great experience there and opportunity. And, you know, I think for me, really was consulting all through those six years, whether it was purely designing a value-based care strategy or the value-based care infrastructure for a health system, an organization may be looking to optimize their Medicare Advantage plan or their primary care group practice, uh, or even structuring a partnership. And actually, you know, something we can dive into a little bit, took a little bit of a leap and actually went into more of a pure BD partnerships role, which was more of a consultative sales process where uh, was the kind of front end in terms of generating visibility for the organization in the Midwest, starting conversations, ultimately looking to hopefully lead to operating partnerships for the organization. And then towards the end of my tenure there, actually operated a large partnership there for the last few years. Thanks for walking us through that, Ben. I did want to dive into that BD focus role because a lot of times when we're talking to consultants, you know, maybe they are a, a project leader, an engagement manager at Bain or McKinsey, and they're looking to make the jump from consulting because they are eager to continue doing the work and, and aren't too excited about selling. Would you say that your BD-focused role that you had at Lumeris is sort of the same as it would have been if you had stayed with a consulting firm? You know, I think at Lumeris, our business model, we were not a consulting firm. It was a means to an end to structure an operating partnership around value-based care services that was a three or five-year partnership, or it could have been around a health plan, a Medicare Advantage plan. And so, you know, we ended up actually doing a fair amount of general strategy work up front to generate an operating partnership. So it almost in a way seemed like a three to six month consulting project in a way that we were able to, and I was able to lead up front in generating those conversations and those relationships, uh, kind of like a partner maybe would or a junior partner would at a larger consulting firm. And so I think for me, it was really helpful because I would have early in my career, I probably would not have seen myself, you know, if you would have said you're going to be in a sales role, you know, I would have said, hey, Stephen, you're crazy, uh, you know, no way. And then, you know, I think later on, I think in terms of generating my style, generating my comfort, generating my confidence as I, you know, move on to next steps in my career, you know, I think it was really helpful for me. And I think the consultative sales process 
this was the best situation for me to be in a sales position because it was consultative. Yeah, that's really good to hear. So Ben, you've had the healthcare bug since your undergrad days, really, back when you were in pre-med. But let's say you are a generalist consultant and you've seen a couple of healthcare projects, maybe worked on some CPG projects, industrial projects, you've seen quite a few. You're thinking about really doubling down on the healthcare trajectory and moving into that space specifically. What would you recommend that those consultants think about or questions that they should ask themselves before really going down that path? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one, you know, and certainly I'm biased, but there are a lot of, as I mentioned, a lot of complex problems in healthcare and certainly the need for smart, curious individuals, you know, to come into the space. And so I think the healthcare industry has certainly been doing things a similar way for a long time. And I think now we're just starting to hit this wave of, you know, new technologies, new care models, new reimbursement models where hopefully we can start to change that pattern. And then, you know, I think number two, and this goes for anything someone is doing in their career, even you and I, is you really have to be passionate about what you're doing. You're the one who has to get up every day and be excited about that. And so, you know, I think if there's personal experiences, whether it's your own or someone that's close to you that mirrors that, you know, I think that is something that can be really exciting. And now there's so many different niche healthcare organizations that are in different niche areas. You know, there's specific companies in kidney care and diabetes care in, as I mentioned to you, behavioral health, mental health, dementia, Alzheimer's, there are so many different areas that there's opportunity. And so I think that passion in some of those individual spaces, you can't recreate that. And so that's something I'd look to dig deep into. I think that's really helpful advice, Ben. Appreciate that. So Ben, want to dive into your new and exciting role. But before we move on from Lumeris, is there anything else or any other projects you worked on during your time at Lumeris that you think we should chat about? Yeah, I think, Stephen, you know, one thing that comes to mind to me is certainly my last year at Lumeris, working with one health system, really like a long-term consulting project, but it was an operating partnership. We were partnered with a health system. They had a network of primary care physicians, both employed and non-employed, and they had a ton of value-based contracts with different payers across different lines of business, across Medicare Advantage, across commercial, Medicaid, and government programs as well, with a lot of national payers, some regional payers. And so there had an awesome opportunity to lead a team and lead a partnership from an engagement perspective where we were providing value-based care services to help them achieve outcomes that we uh, designed together, but also then partner together to think through strategic initiatives and think through operational areas where we could uh, further the partnership as well. And so really exciting opportunity for me to really one, you know, I love the payer strategy component and working in between payers and providers. And so opportunity to look at some of the current deals and contracts the organization currently had and look for opportunities to generate more revenue for the business, but then also looking at the health system strategic initiatives and how to blend some of the employed physicians and non-employed physicians. I also had pediatric physicians. So you kind of piece all this together and certainly a lot of complexities 
certainly when involved with incentives and and how dollars flow and and everything. And so with that, we had multiple different work streams within this relationship across many different components of value-based care. I mentioned one was payer strategy. We also were in risk adjustment and quality, which are two kind of drivers within value-based care and analytics and technology as well, working to integrate insights and information into their EMR to help make providers make uh, better decisions and then provider incentives as well, in addition to just helping generally with strategic initiatives for their primary care organization. Ben, it sounds like you've done a great job of, in your career, balancing the opportunities to solve this really hard and interesting problems, but also just fixing some of the problems that the world is facing, right? I I think that that balance comes out throughout your career, that the problems you're solving are rewarding and very interesting. Yeah. The hard part, you know, I think is within healthcare and within certain spaces, like you can continue to get a lot of breadth and that can help you hold certain conversations. But the depth of all these different areas, I think, is always the challenging part. And, you know, some of that just comes with like patience and time because you're not going to learn everything in a day. And there's just so many areas of healthcare that I still don't know everything about or that are, you know, some of these new government programs, you look up the new ACO REACH government program, which is a value-based program that CMS has rolled out. I mean, it is super complex. There are people that are spending all their time on this and I could be spending more time on it just because there are so many different nuances of the payment model and when you get paid and how you get paid and different areas of that. And so it's definitely very intriguing. Well, we've been a bit cryptic about your newest position. Do you mind telling us uh, whatever you can about it? Yeah. So I joined an early stage organization, certainly a larger healthcare fund and working with a, uh, we'll call them a stealth co for now. But really, as I mentioned to you, focused in the geriatric psych space. So really looking to ideally manage the longitudinal care aspects of individuals that are going through Alzheimer's, other dementias, and associated psychological and behavioral care management programs and areas. And so, you know, I think for us, it'll be really exciting. You know, I think for me coming in early stage and being able to help build the model, being able to be in an area that I, you know, mentioned to you, I'm passionate about and then also being able to help build the culture as well, which I think is so important. And I've certainly under, probably underappreciated at times in my career. So really excited about that. Moving from, you know, larger established organizations with lots of resources to a very early stage stealth startup, there's a lot of risk involved in there. Also, of course, a lot of excitement. Can you walk us through that decision? Yeah. And yes, Stephen, it always is a hard decision. There's personal risk and there's excitement. And I think one, you always have to do what you're comfortable with. And I think, you know, I'm probably a little more risk averse than most people. And so I think for me, wanted to make sure a little later, maybe in my career to kind of maybe make this jump in terms of early stage. But I think it's really exciting to be a part of. And one thing that I've learned is being able to tell a good story is really important all the way through your career. And I feel really confident whatever happens a year from now, two years from now, that I'll be able to tell a really good story. Good. 
Well, Ben, before we wrap things up here, is there any advice that you would either give folks earlier in their career or perhaps yourself at an earlier stage in your career? Yeah, I think probably a few things and probably definitely telling myself this, of course, uh, is I think one is don't always follow the path that you think you're supposed to follow, particularly in your early stages of your career. Don't be afraid to be nimble. I think, you know, that's okay. Doesn't mean you have to move from company to company. It just means maybe be nimble in your experiences or go outside your comfort zone a little bit because that's probably the best time to do it. I think always really try to focus on working with great individuals, working with great companies. You know, I think that really speaks for itself. As I've kind of gotten to more of the, I'd call it the early middle stage of my career, kind of after that 10 year plus range, you know, I'd say a larger emphasis on focusing on leadership and management. Really, you know, I think for myself, grooming those skills of leadership and management, but then really being hyper focused on that tier above me and what am I learning on a day to day basis from the individuals I'm working with. I think individuals that you can learn from and want to emulate really speak from themselves. And that's some of the best experience you can get. That's really helpful, Ben. I appreciate that advice. I think that's something that we can all think about as we make plans for our career moving forward. Yeah. And I think uh, something I mentioned earlier too is always take like the stories, the learnings and the experience early in your career. I think nothing will replace those efforts. Good. Well, Ben, thanks so much for joining us on Beyond Consulting. It's really been a pleasure talking with you and appreciate you sharing your story. Thanks, Stephen. It's an honor to be on here and really excited to be working with you guys. Mm -hmm.